Welcome to The Way the World Works, where the trusted team behind the Tuttle Twins books tackles current events, hot topics, and fun ideas to help your family find clarity in a world full of confusion. Hi, Connor. Hey, Brittany. So kids out there, if your parents watch the news or listen to podcasts or the radio, or even if you're in public somewhere, you've probably heard people talking about uh, Israel and Palestine. And you probably just heard those words thrown out because it seems like everybody wants to have an opinion on things, even if they don't know what they're talking about. You probably may have heard the word Hamas thrown out as well. So today I want to talk about why you're hearing those, um, you know, why it's a big deal and what this all means. So first, the reason it's in the news is because there was a huge attack on Israelis by Hamas. And Hamas is, I want to make sure I, I get this right. And Connor, please correct me if I get this wrong. So it is a pro-Palestine group, but they are more of a terrorist activist right, right group. They're not actually the Palestinian government. That's right. Yeah. That's a really big difference to make. Um, I mean, governments are bad in their own way. I guess you kind of call a government a terrorist organization in its own way, too. But this is an independent group of that. Um, so in Palestine and Israel and Palestine have been at war with each other for a long, long time. I mean, if we want to go back to the we're, we're going to get into the modern origins here, but I mean, this is like a almost a biblical war, if 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 you will, because it's just been going on for so long. So during this latest attack, the terrorist group killed about fourteen hundred men, women, and children, and kidnapped several hundred more, which is terrible. Obviously, nothing, no matter what, justifies doing that. But let's talk about why they did do it. So for this, we have to go back to World War II. And Connor, again, please feel free to jump in if I get something wrong. But after World War II, the United Nations, they created the Nation of Israel. And you have to think of the timing about this. Obviously, there was awful things happening to the Jewish people during World War II. And so this is coming right after that. And so this land, though, that they gave to them, this was actually Palestinian land that um, was actually part of the British Empire, which shouldn't surprise anybody because pretty much Britain had everything at one point. Um, I'm trying to think of anywhere they didn't have, probably... Asia. They didn't have any empire. Am I right about that? I think I'm right about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, who knows? Actually, who knows? Who knows? But yeah. So, and they separated it right into to Palestine and Jewish states, Palestinian and Jewish states. So this started a war because, I mean, think about it. Connor, if somebody came in your backyard and was like, oh, we just did a whole thing. Like we're cutting your house in half. Half of it belongs to someone else now. You probably would not be thrilled. Well, we have that in our country. It's called eminent domain when the government comes in and takes it and uses it for something else. Fortunately, we don't have big wars that that arise from it. But uh, but yeah, you can understand how people would feel if their homelands are being forcibly taken from them. Absolutely. Like it's not not an ideal situation. Um, so, yeah, obviously that's going to make the Palestinians pretty mad. So Again, the UN basically drawed a line. It was like, all right, you guys have this side, you guys have that that, that side. So obviously they're mad. So then there's st like starts this big war. And technically, I don't like to say somebody won the war, didn't win the war because nobody wins in war. But Israel won the war that that came after that. But I mean, at what cost? Because it was like 800,000 Palestinians were left without homes. And, you know, the territory they fought over was divided into three parts. So you had the state of Israel, the West Bank, which is like near the Jordan River, and the Gaza Strip. So this has all just been continuing ever since. So to go back to Hamas a little bit, that's this, you know, Islamic uh, group that currently has control of the Gaza Strip. Um, it might be fun to pull out a map and see if you can find all these places. But, you know, put simply, this war has been fought for 
decades and decades, and it's all over land. But because one side is, you know, Muslim and the other side is Jewish, there's also all these like religious elements as well. And this attack was one of the biggest. They're calling it Israel's 9-11. And, you know, what happened to the Israelis was awful. But that doesn't mean that Israel as a state hasn't committed terrible things, too. And that's one thing I want to remember, because I feel like that's something we forget. And Connor, I'm sure you've seen this on the Internet, like everybody wanting to take a side. You know what I mean? Like where they're like, oh, I stand with Israel. Oh, I stand with Palestine. And to me, it's always funny because I'm just like I stand with like the individuals who got caught up in this on both sides because nobody wins in this. Um, Yeah, it's just um, it's a it's a not great situation. It's never going to go anywhere. And I think one thing that really gets me about people in America is when we think we know or have the solution when this is not our, this is not our, our, I don't want to say it's not our problem because that sounds worse than it does, but it's kind of not our problem. And Connor, one thing I want to pose to you is, do you think there's even anything we can do that can help this war? Is there anything we can do to help either side as, as a country? Well, I, let's go to what you said a moment ago, where everyone kind of wants to take a side. I think that doesn't help because it, it almost like emboldens or encourages the conflict to happen when we say point blank, I'm on team Israel. Uh, because then Israel, to use the example, feels empowered to do whatever they want because they've got the backing of all these people. And so they can go, you know, bomb entire apartment complexes and, and things. And, you know, all these civilians die. As you point out that, you know, there's, there's no winners, right? All these innocent civilians are going to die. Now, of course, Israel will say, well, we didn't mean for them to die. It's just that Hamas is, uh, you know, they're hiding out in hospitals and, you know, uh, schools and things. And so if we want to get Hamas, you know, unfortunately, uh, we're going to, you know, kill some other people. You had the president of, of Israel uh, a couple of weeks ago saying there are no innocent people. I mean, this was astounding to me. He said, um, and I can probably pull it up really quick to to find it, but he was basically blaming all of uh, all of Palestine, all Palestinians for uh, what was going on, uh, claiming that that they were all responsible, even though it was just Hamas. Here's the here's the quote. This is from the president Isaac Herzog. So he said that. Um, the rhetoric that he says, the rhetoric, rhetoric means like arguments. So he basically says the argument that civilians are not aware, not informed is absolutely not true. They could have risen up. They could have fought against that evil regime. And he was, what he's basically saying there is that there's nobody who's innocent in, in Palestine, in the Gaza Strip. He's saying that everyone's aware of Hamas that they're informed about what Hamas is doing, and they could have risen up to stop Hamas. Well, if Hamas is a bunch of gangsters and they have all the weapons and everyone else is just terrified living in fear and they're disarmed, maybe they couldn't have risen up. And yet the president of Israel is claiming that, well, if we kill some people in the Gaza Strip, some civilians, it's their fault. They could have stopped Hamas. Well, I mean, is that true? You know, it's like, oh, there's a... There's a, a guy who's uh, stealing from banks and, hey, you know, wife and children, you could have stopped him from from stealing <laughs> from banks. So we're, we're going to bomb the whole house. And you like it just doesn't make sense. It's horrible. And yet that's the 
the argument that the president of Israel uh, was doing. There is always here's here's Brittany something that I want to stress. Mm-hmm. Whenever you have a war, almost always, if not always, the what happens before the war is psychological war. Uh, you know, psyops is what they're sometimes called, and and the biggest part of that. But basically, you know, trying to influence people's minds, trying to get them to um, believe different things and support different things. So trying to influence people. And we can go into to that. But the point is, one of the biggest ways to influence people is to dehumanize the enemy. What does that mean? So you've got an enemy. In this case, we'll say it's Hamas versus Israel. So Israel, if they want to succeed in a war against Hamas, if they want to crush the enemy, they have to dehumanize that enemy. They have to make them seem not human so that they don't have sympathy. If, if we had sympathy for all the people in the Gaza Strip, then we would be demanding that Israel not respond to the, the attacks the way that they are, because we would be sympathizing with the innocent people in the Gaza Strip. By the way, half of the people who live in the Gaza Strip are children. So it's not like they could have risen up against no, yeah. Uh unless, you know, maybe someone's claiming that that's the case. It's it's like five over five million civilians and, and half of them are, are kids. And so the idea is uh, if you're if you're in charge of Israel's military or, or their government, this president guy, you don't want the public to sympathize with your enemy because then the public will demand that you, you know, not bomb them, not kill a bunch of people. And so you often have in warfare, psychological warfare that that precedes the actual, a lot of the actual fighting. And so, you know, this is very common. I'll, I'll use another simple, quick example. So in the World War II, when the Nazis had the Holocaust and they were killing a whole bunch of Jews, they they called them pests, vermin. And, and that was that was the nickname that they would use for Jews. They did not want people, including including the soldiers who were, you know, committing these barbarous acts, they didn't want people to see the Jews as human. They wanted them to be seen as subhuman. And so the chemicals that was used, like in the, the gas chambers, this is kind of morbid, but it's part of history when when all these uh, Jewish people were were horribly killed by the Nazis. The, one of the chemicals that was used was a pesticide which is what's used to, to kill bugs. So, so it's horrible, absolutely horrible. And yet history has all these examples where, where the public, where uh, government officials try to dehumanize the enemy, try to make them seem less than human. So that to me is somewhere where we need to be really careful right now with this whole Israel-Hamas thing. It doesn't excuse the attack by Hamas against Israel at all. But when Israel wants to fight back and kill a whole bunch of people, we can't just say, oh, well, Hamas had it coming or uh, the, all the civilians in the Gaza Strip aren't innocent because they could have risen up. You, you get all these arguments in wartime that really should make us pause and say, wait a minute, I, I don't need to agree with that. That's not OK. Um, and, and the other thing, Brittany, just because you, you threw it out there at the beginning, this is kind of a, a religious war in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. And and you've seen, as have I. Many Christians who feel kind of a connection with Jews, because you know Judeo-Christian is the term, right? Where you know all the early Christians were 
were Jews at first, right, uh, with Jesus and everything. And uh, and so you have a lot of people today who I see support Israel because they see Israel as God's chosen people. What I like to point out is Israel is just the name of a government, right? God's chosen people in the Bible who called themselves Israel, you know, that doesn't mean the modern nation state of Israel uh, and, and the boundaries there and all the citizens of them are suddenly God's people. So to my Christian friends or my Jewish friends, I say, well, they have the same name, you know, they call themselves Israel, but the Israeli government does a whole bunch of things that are wrong, much like every government. And I don't think as a religious person myself, that we should just give the country, the nation Israel a pass just because another Israel in the Bible, you know, was, was God's chosen people. So the religious aspect of this complicates it for a lot of people who kind of feel like they have to side with Israel Mm -hmm. with whatever they do. And I think that leads to a lot of problems. Well, and that's what's been so interesting to me to see people that you and I know, Connor, who are usually very anti-war no matter what, and then to see because of the religious part, start getting into it and playing, you know, tribal politics. Because I know one thing that I think history shows us is even though you might think your your religion is is whole, you know, perfect because it is it's from a higher being, the people who live on this earth are by nature flawed people, right? Everybody who lives here who is on earth is flawed. And so there's always going to be mistakes made. And that doesn't mean that your religion, you know, as a whole is bad. It just means there are people who who do bad things everywhere. And so I think that's that's one thing that sometimes people forget. And uh, yeah, it's, it's just been it's really interesting to see. I like seeing people who are usually anti-war or who usually, you know, agree with us on this sort of thing. I like kind of sitting back and seeing what happens and how people react because your principles are really tested when when something happens, right? It's easy to sit back and say, I'm anti-war no matter what, and then something happens and and you're like, oh wait, <laughs> you know, what are what right. are these people gonna do? So that that I think to me has been the most interesting response. And I just the social warrior, social media warrior thing always gets me where I'm seeing everyone pick a side and I'm just kind of laughing because I'm like, a lot of them are like comedians. I'm like, you guys don't know anything. Just stop. <laughs> and, and just it's, stop it's tough because because it. it becomes very tribal. You know, you see all your friends doing something, so you feel like you need to do it too. And and I think just like in the last episode when we were talking about Ukraine, to me, the lesson here for the kiddos listening and, and the parents is before rushing to judgment, before taking a side... Uh, before you know, listening to a couple reporters and suddenly thinking you know the full truth, we just need to do more homework. We need to be more cautious because there's a lot of hidden agendas. There's a lot of people who are trying to push their agenda, and they're using propaganda, and they're using psychological war, and they're trying to manipulate people so that they can achieve their desired outcome. So if we don't want to be manipulated, if we don't want to be duped or or just be tribal and support something because other people we like it uh, are, are supporting it. We need to do our homework. We need to be cautious. We need to be skeptical, even if you might lose some friends. I mean, the fact that I did not immediately side with Israel, um, you know, I had some some colleagues or or not, what do you call them? Not friends, but just you know, people I know, people in my social circles who got upset with me, um, and and so that'll happen. You know, when you try and follow the right path, it it'll be unpopular to some people. But I think I think the truth. There's a quote that says something like, truth is the first casualty in war. Mm, that's a good quote. And and so when these wars happen, often with the propaganda and everything, uh, everything's manipulated. And 
you know, it, it's a struggle. I mean, Israel, there was that story recently about 40 babies being horribly yeah. killed. Yeah. And as it turns out, that wasn't accurate. It was just a claim that suddenly circulated like crazy and everyone believed it and got upset about it. Right. That stuff happens. That's the psychological war. That's the trickery where where they're trying to shift people's opinions. If we want the focus on the truth, let's be a little more skeptical. Let's be a little bit more cautious. Let's do our homework and hopefully we can be on the side of truth. Brittany, great chatting. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Talk to you later. You've been listening to The Way the World Works. Make sure your family is subscribed and check out TuttleTwins.com for more awesome content.